to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. I want to say thanks for the support that I got on my last episode, which was all about how to stay healthy at a music festival. I really love going to festivals. I actually just went to one this last weekend, which was the impetus for recording the podcast. I used all of the tips that I gave myself for the most part. And, you know, now today, a couple days back, I'm right back into my regular routine, feeling good. And I really credit my ability to recover and also to enjoy myself at these events to my overall fitness routine and to the systems that I've laid in place over the years. If you've ever been to a music festival, you know that they can be pretty grueling on your body. Even just like standing and dancing for eight, 10 hours at a time uh, really takes a toll on you. And for me, this is one of the reasons why I work out these days so that I can do fun things in my life and I don't feel like my body is the main thing that's holding me back from having a good time. The festival that I went to this weekend was called The Great Beyond. It was literally in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota like two hours outside of the Twin Cities where you have to take state highways. There's small towns without grocery stores. You know, there's really not a lot around. It's really rural and really agricultural. The festival itself was on this guy's farm that I think he does events at, but, you know, there were cornfields and soybean fields and literal roosters and goats and animals walking around. It was quite an experience, but the festival itself was really, really great. I always feel like very fulfilled when I come back from these events, especially when they are fun and the music is great because that's the most important thing to me. Um, If you don't know much about electronic music, you can maybe skip forward a couple of minutes, but for anyone who is a fan, uh, some highlights for me, the best of the weekend was Wata Igarashi who closed out the festival. He played like a sundown set on Sunday night. Lots of like really great spacey techno, beautiful melodies, lots of power. It was just a really well put together set and a great way to end the festival. Close second was Mozgan, who is a DJ from San Francisco that I really, really love and have seen a lot of times. And she always plays interesting sets with great music that I don't hear from any other DJ. Other highlights, DVS1 and R-Rose, both of whom I've seen like quite a few times over the years. This was one of the best performances from both of them that I've ever heard. Um, DJ Nobu was great as well. Drum Cell playing as his alter ambient ego hypoxia was really great. Uh, sets from Chicago and Minnesota locals as well all weekend were great. Honestly, uh, pretty much everybody that I saw was musically really on point. It was a great crowd, a great vibe. And like I said, I'm just feeling really happy and fulfilled after that. So if you did not listen to the last episode and you do like to go to music festivals of any kind or you're thinking about doing it in the future and you want to make sure that you can enjoy the event and bounce back quicker when you come home, definitely check out that last episode that I recorded, How to Stay Healthy at a Music Festival. Now, when I come home from these events, one of the most important things to me is to get back to eating my regular meals. Now, 
when I go out of town, I don't um, eat with abandon. I don't pick out. I don't feel gross about the way that I ate. But I'm not necessarily eating a lot of vegetables, especially this trip, because in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, there's not a ton of food options. Even just the existence of, of restaurants is uh, pretty limited where we were. So I want to get back into my normal eating routine as soon as possible. And this got me thinking, how am I able to do this? How am I able to bounce back after a trip, focus on what matters, not feel guilty about the way that I ate or didn't ate? And it's really because of this sane and simple nutrition system that I've developed over years and years of personal experience. If you listened to the first episode of this podcast, you heard me tell the big picture story of my personal battles with my weight, with food and an eating disorder, and how I overcame a lot of those obstacles. And you'll know that over the years, I've tried just about every fad diet, and I believed just about every dogma and lie about food that you've probably ever heard. None of these things ever helped me get in better shape or improve my relationship with food. In fact, they did the opposite. And what I learned through those experiences is that there's really only a few things that matter when it comes to feeling good in your body, getting to a weight where you feel your best, and building a healthy relationship with food. The nutrition industry is built on selling you things, telling you that there's one weird trick or one magic solution that if only you discovered or tried their way, all of your problems would go away and you'd finally have an easy time with food in your body. Unfortunately, that's simply not true. But the good news is that most of the things that these gurus and marketers are telling you matter are not actually that important. So in today's episode, I want to outline my personal nutrition and my personal and coaching nutrition philosophy, which I've dubbed my sane and simple nutrition method to tell you which things actually matter. And, you know, by default, which things are not really that important and you shouldn't be devoting a ton of time and energy to thinking about. I teach this system in my Sane and Simple Nutrition course, which is a six-week group coaching program that I run once or twice a year. So I just want to say that as I'm going through this episode, if this information is resonating with you, if you like this framework and you want to go deeper with more tools and more practical things that you can do, I encourage you to join the waitlist for the next round of this program. You can do that on Instagram. Find uh, my profile, which is just at Caroline Juster, J-U-S-T-E-R. There will be a link in the bio. It should say work with me. And then there's a little hand pointing down and then a link. In that link, there'll be a bunch of options. And one of them is to join the waitlist for the next round of Sane and Simple Nutrition. Now, I'm not sure if I'm going to be running this program again until January of 2023. But again, if you want to stop obsessing over food, stop wasting time with fad diets, chasing things that don't matter and actually make you feel worse. This is exactly the program that you need. So let's dive into the core six pillar system of sane and simple nutrition. To make this easier to remember, there are six pillars and each of them start with a P. So I'm going to tell you what they are right now and then I'm going to go through them all and then summarize them at the end. So the first P is pay attention. The second P is proper portions. Third P, protein. Fourth P, plants. Fifth P, prioritize carbs or fats. And the sixth and final P is plan for success. As you'll notice when I go through these, only some of these P's or pillars are actually about specific foods. And that's because so much of building a lifelong, sustainable nutrition approach 
has to do with behavior, with mindset, with the things that we're doing in our lives and not necessarily the foods that we're putting into our body. So while foods are important, there's actually a whole lot more that goes into this than just food. So let's dive in. The first P is pay attention. If you don't understand the way you're currently eating, and if you tend to eat quickly and in a distracted manner, you're never going to be able to build lasting healthy habits. There are a few reasons for this. Let's talk about the first half of this first. A lot of people know they want to lose weight or they want to maintain their weight after a diet or they just want to feel better in their skin. They know they want to make a change. And so what they do is they immediately go look for a diet or a meal plan that tells them exactly what to eat. Now, the there are a lot of problems with meal plans, actually. But one of the biggest is that a lot of times people are changing and focusing on the wrong things or they're trying to change stuff that isn't actually broken. I've been coaching clients for eight and a half years now, and I can tell you that many people are already doing a lot of things really well when it comes to their nutrition. They don't need to overhaul their entire diet or follow a super restrictive meal plan in order to look good and feel better and improve their health. Instead, these people need to pay attention to the way they're already eating so they can see what am I doing well, so things that don't need to change, things that I could potentially lean into, And then what are the things that are holding me back or creating problems? And those are the things that potentially need to change. So that's where we direct our attention. Instead of building an entirely new diet or using a meal plan that's based off of some pro bodybuilder that has nothing to do with the way you like to eat, figure out what actually needs to change about your own diet and focus on that. You don't need to change all the foods you're eating, all of the Uh, details of your meals like where and when you're eating and how often a lot of that stuff you're doing because it works for you it might not work for somebody else but but it's a, a good fit for you but most of us have a few things that are creating some problems so maybe you have a habit of snacking mindlessly all day and that's where you're getting a lot of your extra calories or maybe you eat out all the time and you never cook and therefore you have less control over what you eat Or maybe you have a bad sweet tooth and every night after dinner, you're headed to the pantry or the freezer to satisfy those cravings. These are probably the types of things that you're doing that are holding you back, preventing you from achieving your goals. And that's where we want to focus. But if we don't take the time to pay attention to the way we're eating right now, we may waste a lot of time and effort focusing on things or chasing things that really aren't going to fix the actual problem. So a big part of pay attention and one of the big things that I work with people on in my Sane and Simple Nutrition course is spending some time getting to know your current habits and behaviors. One of the best tools at our disposal for this is using a food log. Now, this doesn't need to be a MyFitnessPal food log where you're tracking calories or macros. A lot of my clients are using more of a written food log where we just take notes on what we eat with as much detail as we can and we maybe take notes on other things that are relevant. Are we feeling emotional? How is our hunger and our cravings around this meal? Do we have any negative physical sensations like a bad reaction after we eat certain foods? We start to write this stuff down and just gather data. And then from there, we can see, okay, what am I actually doing? A lot of times we have no idea because we're just going through life on autopilot and that includes food. And what do I actually want to target first? So by taking the time and spending 
you know, a few weeks or longer doing some sort of a food log, you can really start to get a clear and objective picture of what you're doing right now. And that is going to give you the best information you need to move forward. The second part of paying attention is all about mindfulness. I think that one of the most overlooked and also one of the biggest problems with the way we eat in the modern world, at least in America, is that a lot of us are eating really quickly and we're always distracted while we're eating. I'm sure you've had this experience, I know I have, where you were snacking on something, maybe a bag of chips, and you're watching TV and you were just kind of shoveling food into your mouth, and then your hand hits the bottom of the bag or the can, and you're like, did I really eat this whole fucking thing of chips? And you don't even remember it, and you don't feel satisfied. Or maybe you eat a meal that was really quick, like you scarfed it down on the go, and then 20 minutes later you feel like you didn't eat and you're already hungry again. These types of situations are really common. And they happen because we are disengaged with the experience of eating. So a couple of habits that I have people work on in my course and that I encourage you to consider yourself are slow eating and eating with fewer distractions. Slow eating seems like this stupid thing that wouldn't really work, but I can tell you from personal experience that when you actually slow down and it takes you longer to eat your meals and snacks, you will feel more satisfied and less hungry. This is very helpful when you're dieting and you do need to intentionally eat less food. And it's also a fantastic practice for just being out in the world and eating in a healthy way. When we slow down, we are less likely to overeat and we are more likely to be happy and satisfied with our meals. Minimizing distractions can be challenging. You don't necessarily need to have every meal at a table with your whole family with no phone or computer, that's probably not realistic, especially if you're a creative person on the go who needs to eat in between rehearsals or studio time or teaching or whatever else. But I encourage you to try to have at least one meal a day where you eat with fewer distractions. You turn off the TV, you don't scroll on your phone, you're not reading something, but you're staying present with the meal, you're focusing on the experience, and if possible, you're enjoying the company of other people. Again, These practices just make you more satisfied with your meals. They make you more present and less likely to engage in the mindless eating behavior that is standing in so many people's ways. So those are the two main components of paying attention. Again, it's all about figuring out what are you doing right now and how can you best direct your efforts to actually move forward and how can you stay present and engaged and mindful with the experience of eating. The second P is proper portions. So I used to run my course as Sane and Simple Fat Loss, but as my coaching has shifted a little and a lot of my clients are looking for ways to just feel good with their nutrition and not necessarily lose weight, I expanded the course into Sane and Simple Nutrition. And really the main difference between maintaining your weight and learning to eat healthier and actually losing weight is this second P, proper portions. All of the other P's still apply for both of those groups. The biggest difference is that the amount of food that we eat is going to be the main determinant of changes to our weight. So if we are intentionally trying to gain weight, like trying to build muscle, we need to eat more calories than our body is using. And calorie is just a measure of energy, okay? So you're using energy, just staying alive, but also going for your day, working out, walking, doing your art, etc. And then you're taking in energy in the form of food. And again, if we're taking in more energy than we're actually using, we will gain weight. If 
on average, over the course of a long period of time, we take in about the same amount of food as we expend through energy, we will maintain our weight. And then the opposite is true. If we eat fewer calories than we use, we will lose weight. Now, of course, there are a lot of components that go into this. Um, hunger plays a big part, and hunger is affected by hormones. It's affected by biology and social environment. Um, access to food is involved here, and that, again, is also related to uh, culture and society and the way we were brought up. And then there can be internal issues that affect the way that you use energy. But that's sort of beyond the scope of this conversation. And honestly, it's way beyond the scope of what most people need to worry about when it comes to manipulating their weight. A lot of people in the fitness world and nutrition world will sell you this idea that calories in, calories out doesn't work. It's all about your hormones or something else. But what they fail to tell you is that your hormones are ultimately affecting calories in, calories out. They're either affecting, again, your appetite or the foods that you're choosing to take in and the amounts you're choosing to take in, or they're changing the way that you are, you know, consciously and unconsciously moving or not moving or the way that your body's using your fuel. So calories in, calories out is really at the core of everything. Now, again, it can be difficult and it can be a little mind numbing or frustrating to think about, but this is really what we need to focus on when it comes to our actual body weight and our body size. So in my course, I give people a few options to think about portions. There is, of course, the option of counting calories and macros. This is something that I personally like. I'm the type of person who likes to track things. I like data. And because I've been logging for so long, um, off and on, not like all day, every day for the last 10 years, but during various periods of weight loss, I have sort of see it as data and I don't get caught up in it. I don't try to be perfect. You know, I just track the numbers, observe what happens and move on. Um, I also think tracking can be helpful if you're brand new or trying to lose weight for the first time, because a lot of us just have no idea how many calories we're consuming in the forms of our favorite foods. So this can be an upsetting, but also a very helpful experience when you're just getting started. Now, calorie counting may not be a good fit for everybody. If you're super busy, especially if you're a creative who's eating on the go a lot, it may not really work for you because you won't be able to get the type of accurate data that's necessary to actually use calorie counting effectively. Other people have a bad experience with it in the past, and I definitely don't force it on any of my clients. So if we're not going to count calories, we're going to use some other form of portion control, whether that's using a template of our plate, like what should our plate look like, uh, or using our hand to measure portion sizes. All of these things can work. But the important thing is that if you want to lose weight, you got to find a way to eat a little bit less than what you're currently eating. Uh, if you want to maintain your weight, you know, you want to observe what happens with your current nutrition plan. If after some time you see that you're slowly gaining weight, you need to eat a little bit less. Uh, if the opposite's true, you need to eat a little bit more. But if your weight is more or less within five pounds of your ideal maintenance weight in either direction, you can safely say that you're eating the right amount of food for your goals. If you're someone who doesn't weigh yourself, you should pay attention to other metrics like how do I look in the mirror? How do my clothes fit? Basically, any other method of seeing if your body is changing or basically staying the same based on your current eating habits. The one other thing that I talk about in my Sane and Simple Nutrition course during this second pee week, Proper Portions, is about hunger. I'm the kind of person who's had a really rough time with hunger. Hunger seems to affect me emotionally, mentally, physically more than other people for whatever reason. Even if it's all in my head, that's always been my experience. And I feel like many people who struggle with their weight have had the similar experience. So I want to empathize with that. 
you have to find a way to change your relationship with hunger. So if you want to lose weight, you're going to have to accept a certain amount of hunger. Now, you shouldn't be starving because that's going to lead to overeating and potentially binging, and obviously that will sabotage your results. But it's normal to feel hungry between meals, even if you're just maintaining your weight. And it is important that you don't reach for food or feel like you're doing something wrong at the first sign of hunger. It's also important that we learn to wait to eat until we're actually hungry. So during the second week, I also introduced tools for figuring out how hungry you actually are, making sure that you're not eating way past the point of fullness when you do eat, and navigating the middle ground as well. So hunger can be a big, big, important thing that we need to pay attention to. It really plays into the amount of food that you're eating. But if you feel like you struggle with hunger and you feel like that's the thing standing in your way, the next three steps will help you with this because sometimes the food choices that we make can also impact how full we feel at meals. So with that, let's go ahead and move on. So the third P is to eat protein. Now, protein is one of four macronutrients, protein, carbohydrates, fats, and alcohol. These are big chemical groups that make up the foods that we eat. Each macronutrient group is digested and used differently by the body. And contrary to what many nutrition gurus tell you, they're all important and necessary if you really want to feel and perform your best. Protein is the first thing to prioritize, basically because a lot of people are under eating protein. When we eat enough protein, we are more likely to feel full between meals. We're more likely to have steady energy throughout the day. And we are better equipped to build and repair the damage that we do during our workouts so we can get stronger and faster and improve our endurance. Protein doesn't have to come from animal sources. It can also come from a combination of plant uh, and vegetable sources as well. You don't need to eat meat. It will make your life a lot easier. And for many people, they'll feel better eating meat. But if you've chosen to be a vegetarian or a vegan, you can certainly still eat enough protein to get by. I like my clients to eat one to two palm sized servings of protein with every meal or if you're counting calories and macros, about 0.7 to 0.8 grams of protein per pound of body weight. Or if you're currently eating very little protein, to eat at minimum 100 grams per day and build from there. The fourth P is plants. After protein, I encourage people to eat tons and tons of fresh, colorful fruits and veggies. Like protein, eating lots of plants helps fill you up. Vegetables especially are not calorically dense. So if you eat a lot of them, your stomach is going to feel full because there's like a lot of shit sitting in your stomach, you know, but there are not a lot of calories, which makes them a great option for people who struggle with hunger or people who are trying to lose weight. Of course, you don't need me to tell me that uh, tell you that fruits and veggies are good for you. They provide lots of vitamins and minerals that are important for optimal health. These are the types of things that will keep your brain feeling good so that you're creative and focused throughout the day. And they're just a great addition to a healthy diet. So I encourage you to experiment with lots of different fruits and veggies. If you could eat up to 30 different plants per week, that's a great goal to aim for. Um, eating five to 10 servings of fruits and veggies every day or even more is also a great place to start. And a serving of fruit and veggie is basically like if you either make a fist with your hand or if you cup your hand like you're holding a softball. That's basically the size of one serving. The fifth P is to prioritize carbs or fats. So this is where we get a little bit nuanced and you can really start to play with your personal preferences. 
Carbs and fats are both important. They're both energy sources for the body. Carbs in particular are the preferred source of energy for your brain. Your brain needs a lot of carbohydrate in order to function quickly and efficiently. Now, there are those outliers that don't need a lot of carbs or can feel really great when they eat minimal carbs, but you're probably not one of them. I think you would already know if you were. (laughs) So these days, low-carb diets are all the rage, and so a lot of people come to me having tried them, and they feel shitty on them. And that's a good sign that they just weren't eating enough carbs. Carbs alone are not making you fat. Think back to that second P, proper portions. If you're gaining weight, it's because you're eating too much food overall not because you're eating too many carbs. That's a huge myth that I really wish would just die. (laughs) Fats are also important. Fats are necessary for tissue health. They're necessary for lots of cells in the body. They're necessary for healthy skin and nails and hair. And stored fat, again, is also a great source of energy for the body. So we definitely don't want to completely eliminate fat either because if you do, your health could potentially suffer and you're probably not going to feel your best. Now, on the other hand, we don't want to eat both high carb and high fat for a few reasons. First, when we eat like this, it tends to send our calories really high. A high carb, high fat diet is basically what's called the standard American diet, which is not exactly a recipe for feeling great or improving your health. Carbs and fats are also really tasty, so they're easier to overeat. So if we eat a lot of carbs and a lot of fats, again, it might contribute to consuming more calories than we really need, which over the long term can lead to weight gain. So what I encourage people to do, and this is true if you are trying to lose weight or if you're trying to maintain your weight, is to figure out which of these you like eating more of. Most people already have a sense of this. Again, a lot of times because they've tried low-carb diets before. If you tried a low-carb diet and you felt sluggish and slow, your workouts suffered, you couldn't think straight, and then as soon as you added back in carbs, you felt much better, much more energized, you're probably a person who would do better eating more carbs. And actually, a lot of women fall into this group. Now, if you did a low carb diet and you actually felt okay, or after a few weeks you felt okay, you felt more satisfied, you had fewer cravings, and you didn't feel like your focus and your energy were in the toilet, you might be a person who does better with more fats. Another way to think about this is through something called the richness volume continuum that I took from a coach of mine, Jill Coleman. Now, the way this works is to consider the types of foods that are most appealing to you. On the one hand, you have rich foods things that have a really intense flavor or texture like peanut butter, cheese, avocado, bacon. And then on the other hand, you have this idea of volume, which is maybe you don't care as much about richness, but you like to feel full and you like to eat a large quantity of food. Now, I personally fall into the volume camp. I could do without cheese and avocado if I never had to eat them again. It wouldn't like ruin my life or anything. Of course, I still enjoy them, but they're just not that important to me but I like to eat big meals that make me feel more full. So I am the type of person who eats more carbs and fewer fats. If that richness idea is really important to you and you'd rather eat less food if it tastes more rich or more indulgent, you would be more of a fats person and less of a carbs person. So I get into a lot more of the nuance on how this breaks down in the course, but again, the idea is that we wanna eat a moderate amount of both carbs and fats, but we definitely don't want to eat a high amount of both. We want to eat more of one and less of the other. 
there's generally one group you're going to fall into that will make you feel more full and more satisfied. It will reduce your cravings between meals and it will give you more energy and focus. You might need to experiment to figure out which one you fall into or you might already know, but you want to prioritize the group that helps you feel your best and, you know, minimize the other. Don't eliminate it, but don't eat a ton of it. And that will help you a lot when it comes to controlling your weight. The final P is really important, and that is plan for success. So the first five P's tell you a lot about what foods to eat, how to eat them, how to think about quantity and organizing your meals. The sixth P is all about building habits that will help you take this forward and sustain this healthy eating routine for life. So there are a lot of things that go into planning for success. At the day-to-day level, you might need to decide what your meals are ahead of time. And that might require you to do a little bit of meal planning, perhaps some meal prepping, you know, making food or meals ahead of time so that cooking takes you less time. It probably means you need to go to the grocery store or order your groceries or invest in a meal delivery service to make sure that the food you need is available when you need it. It might mean taking some time to stock your pantry or your freezer with canned goods, with frozen things, with spices and dry goods, so that you have that stuff available for your regular meals, and also so that you have easy, healthy options available when you simply don't have time to go to the store. On a bigger picture level, planning for success might mean figuring out how to eat well at a restaurant. How do you decide where to go and what to order? How do you, you know, not go overboard or treat every restaurant meal like a special occasion? This could also apply to things like potlucks or parties or get-togethers. It could mean planning for a vacation. It could also mean planning your big picture of your year. You really shouldn't be dieting all year long. A lot of people do this. They go on a diet. Um, it's unsustainable. Life happens. They gain all the way back. And then they go on another diet. And like that's just how they live their life for decades. It would be much better for you and you'd have a lot more energy to devote to the things that are most important to you. If you want to lose weight, you have you know, a clear period when you're going to diet in a sustainable way. And then you plan maintenance for a while and you just maintain the progress you've made. Maybe you're going on vacation during this time. Maybe you're busier at work. You know, you give your body and your brain a little time to chill. And then maybe you diet again later if you want to lose more weight. And then over the long term, you know, your ultimate goal is to move towards more maintenance all of the time. So you could even think as big as planning out your entire year and seeing how you want to manipulate your nutrition over the course of that year. But really, again, this circles back to paying attention. Think about what are the things in my daily life or my weekly life? Like what habits could I build that would help me stay on track that would make it easier for me to make good decisions? What type of planning and prepping and organizing do I need to do so that I don't have to think so much about food and make so many decisions in the moment? These are all habits that would be great for you to build in this plan for success section of my philosophy. So we've come to the end here. So let me just summarize. Again, I created this sane and simple nutrition philosophy after years and years of my own personal struggles, trying different fad diets, wasting a bunch of time on shit that doesn't matter. I realized that there are only a few things that are really important when it comes to, you know, controlling your weight, whether that's losing or maintaining or even gaining weight and making healthy food choices that help you feel good most of the time. 
Now, there's still room for indulgence and treats and enjoying yourself. But if you use this system most of the time, you'll find that making healthy choices is a lot easier. You'll probably enjoy your meals a lot more and you're a lot less likely to get stuck in the yo-yo dieting cycle that so many people are trapped in. The six steps of sane and simple nutrition are number one, pay attention. Figure out how you're eating right now and be more mindful in your meals. Number two, eat the proper portions for your goals, whether that's losing, maintaining, or gaining weight. Number three, eat protein with every meal. It could be a mix of plant and animal sources or only plants, whatever fits your dietary preferences. Number four, eat lots and lots of plants, including colorful, fresh fruits and veggies. Also frozen and canned are perfectly fine as well. Number five, prioritize carbs or fats. We don't wanna eat a lot of carbs and a lot of fats because that's a recipe for weight gain. Generally, people feel better eating higher carb, lower fat, or higher fat, lower carb. And number six, plan for success. Work to build habits, systems, and routines that make it as easy as possible to make good food decisions in any situation. I hope this is helpful for you. Again, there's so much bullshit and stupid nonsense in the nutrition world. People are purposefully trying to confuse you and sell you things that you don't need. I guarantee if you focus on these six things and you ignore everything else, supplements, salt, meal timing, uh, removing entire food groups, cutting out sugar, you know, if you forget about that stuff and you just focus on these six things, you're going to feel a lot less stressed about food and you're probably going to look and feel better than you ever have. I teach all this and more, including tons of practical tips and systems and a lot more deeper dive into each of these pillars in my Sane and Simple Nutrition course. Again, I'm not going to be running this for a while, probably not till January of next year. But if you want in, you want early access at a discount, you can join the waitlist using the link in my Instagram bio. That's at Caroline Juster. Click the link in the bio and then click the tab. I think you have to scroll down just a little bit but it should say join the waitlist for the next round of Sane and Simple Nutrition. As always, I also love to hear from you. My DMs are always open. You can also join my email list using my Instagram bio to get more content from me and to connect with me that way if you're not really on social media. And I always love, you know, questions, requests for episodes. I'm here to help and I really love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.